It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains descriptions of murder and violence against women. We also preemptively apologize for any mispronunciations heard in the episode. In November, the night skies in Hawaii cloud over, then open up. It's not the rainiest month in the Aloha state, but it does mark the end of the hurricane season and the start of Ho'o'wilo, or winter, on the islands. So the rain was perhaps the least shocking part of Roger Rivera's story. The story he told police about what he saw and did in the early hours of the morning of November 20th, 2015. A noontime drizzle the day before had swelled into an ongoing downpour. By 3 a.m. on the 20th, 
The rain was splashing down the windows of the home Rivera shared with his wife in Kalihi, a neighborhood in Honolulu. That's when Rivera's 25-year-old son, Jun Lee Irorita, appeared. Jun Lee had caused the family a lot of worry over the years. He was estranged from his parents at this point, a homeless addict hooked on crystal meth. And he'd had problems with women, too. He'd threatened a former girlfriend, scaring her to the point where she took out a restraining order against him. But then, on that night in November... Jun Lee revealed to his drowsy parents that he'd just done something far, far worse. The family rented an apartment in their basement to Helen Prestoza, a 39-year-old manager at a jack-in-the-box on Capiolani Boulevard. Jun Lee told his father that he'd just killed her and needed some help. His father went downstairs with Jun Lee and helped his son load the body of the murdered woman into the back of Jun Lee's pickup truck. Then... He watched his son drive off into the storm. When Rivera shared this story with police a few months after Helen disappeared, we assume they must have thought they had a slam-dunk case against June Lee. We can only guess about what they thought because the police and prosecutors who worked on this case would not talk with us. A drug addict who's threatened violence against a woman is ratted out as a murderer by his own parents. Things don't get much clearer than that. So it must have come as a shock to the public when Christian Enright, Jun Lee's attorney, stood up in court in 2019 and said not only that his client was innocent, but that the real murderer was Roger Rivera, that he'd made up the story implicating his own son to save himself. But Enright's accusation was not a surprise to the prosecution. Here is Enright. You don't get to sandbag him, you know? So I had told him, like, this is where my defense is going to be. This is what I'm going to say. I got up on the news and said, <laughs> during my opening statement and said uh, the evidence is going to point to his dad. And everybody thought I was nuts, including people that I worked with. They're like, well, you wrote, you wrote a pretty big check there. Hope you can cash it. Was this a desperate gambit to save his client? Or was it possible it was true? Could a father sacrifice his own troubled son just to escape a murder charge? Even if he tried, how could he fool the police and prosecutors? And what really happened to Helen Prestoza? My name is Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And this is The Murder Sheet, a weekly true crime podcast. Anya and I connected over the Burger Chef murders, a 1978 unsolved case involving the killings of four young restaurant employees. Now we're looking to track restaurant homicides. To help us understand the patterns of these crimes, we created a spreadsheet of nearly a thousand eatery-related killings, The Murder Sheet. We'll be drawing on that data throughout Season 1 to give you a deep dive into undercovered crimes. We don't just rely on skimming the headlines. We dive into these cases to bring you in-depth coverage. We're The Murder Sheet, and this is Vanished in Kalihi.
Helen Pristoza was last seen about 7 p.m. on November 19, 2015. The next day, when her girlfriend arrived to pick her up for work, she wasn't at home. And she didn't show up for her shift at a Honolulu Jack in the Box restaurant, where she worked as a manager. Restaurant employees knew Miss Helen is a good boss with a loud laugh, reported local station KHON. Helen's loved ones immediately became concerned. It wasn't like Helen to miss work or run off without telling anyone where she was going. Helen was gay and living with her girlfriend, who had just happened to be out on the night of November 19th. And she also had pressing health concerns. Helen was a cancer survivor, having fully recovered from a bout of breast cancer through surgery and chemo. But before she vanished, she developed bone cancer. She didn't want to let her family know how serious it was. She tried to take good care of herself, eating organic foods and adding more medication to her regimen. Helen had grown up in the Philippines and helped to support her elderly parents back home. When she came to Hawaii, she moved to a neighborhood called Kalihi, an area which was predominantly Filipino. She rented the downstairs portion of a home. Roger Rivera and his family lived upstairs. He was sort of a de facto landlord to her, even though he did not own the property. The house actually belonged to his mother. Roger's son, Jun Lee Irarita, did not live with his parents, and there is no evidence he ever met Helen. His father, on the other hand, was more than her landlord. He was also her employee. He was a cook at the same jack-in-the-box she managed. So if you think about, you know, the dynamic where, you know, she's Roger Rivera, the defendant's father. She's his boss. But like I said earlier, you know, he's a good, I think, 10 years older than her. And then there's also the fact that she was gay, um, you know, when it comes. So there's, there's, there, there was that. That was always kind of an issue, too, because I, I, I got the impression that they didn't necessarily approve of her lifestyle, especially Roger. But there was another, more serious source of conflict between Roger Rivera and Helen Pristoza. Rivera allegedly tried to make some money by filing a bogus disability claim against Jack in the Box. I don't, I don't know if it's all that uncommon a, a hustle. And, you know, I think because Jack in the Box is a major corporation, you know, people think that, you know, you can defraud them. It, it's, it, that's, that's my sense of what was going on. I think it was related to some kind of slip and fall. And, but then, you know, Helen uh, Pristosa, the victim, uh, wasn't buying it. Not only did she not believe him, but she also let him know she planned to report him for filing a false claim. Rivera allegedly did not take kindly to that. There was some big blowout between Roger, uh, the defendant's father, um, between Roger and, and the victim, Helen. Like shortly before that, they had had some beef about the disability claim at home. Roger had confronted Helen and she said, you know, this is a work issue. You know, you need to leave me alone. We can discuss this at work. And he didn't like that. Not long afterwards, Helen vanished. Everybody was saying that they they had no idea what happened. They, they don't know what happened to Helen. They don't know anything about it. The police searched her apartment and, you know, her, her roommate, her girlfriend had been out playing cards and came home. And everything had been cleaned top to bottom. Uh, The place had been scrubbed down. When they 
did the luminol. You know what? You're familiar with luminol? It's uh, to detect the like the presence of blood that's been cleaned up. Right. You've probably probably seen it on on TV. Basically, like a black light kind of thing. They spray this substance and then they hit it with a black light, and it showed that there had been blood everywhere. Like clearly, someone had been, you know, assaulted grievously, if not if not murdered. And then it was all cleaned up. Since the crime seems to have happened, or at the very least to have started, in Helen's apartment, the obvious question was, who could have gotten inside? And the dad, who incidentally had access to the apartment because it was the, it was the bottom floor of their house. There was a staircase that was supposed to be locked up, but it wasn't. He could have had access to the apartment via the staircase. So essentially, he let himself into the apartment. He knew that the girlfriend wasn't home because her car was gone. And, uh, you know, so he would have known that the coast was clear. Roger Rivera had motive and opportunity. So, at the very beginning, the police did indeed look at him as a potential suspect. But that changed after he and his wife came in and told authorities that his son, Junli Irorita, was the real killer. The couple claimed that all Rivera had done was help dispose of the body. Jun Lee did not know Helen. He did not have a discernible motive to kill her. He could not have known when he showed up that night that her girlfriend would not be there. But he was a drug user with a rap sheet who had threatened a woman in the past. Because of that, he seemed like an ideal suspect to the investigators. So the police took Rivera at his word. You know, to be fair, they, they ran him through a lie detector. I don't put any stock in lie detectors. You know, I think that they're kind of just, you know, the police can make them say whatever they want. That's why lie detectors aren't admissible, at least in Hawaii. You know, they're just too subjective. But he did pass a lie detector, which was very com- very convenient for the police, you know. But also it was through an interpreter and so forth. And there's all sorts of research that says you can't trust that. Let's take a quick break to share the promo for one of our favorite true crime podcasts. The Trail Went Cold with Robin Warder. Hello everyone, this is Robin Warder, host of the true crime podcast, The Trail Went Cold. If you grew up watching the classic television show Unsolved Mysteries, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I profile a new unsolved murder or missing persons case and share all the baffling details. Afterward, I provide my own personal analysis and theories about what might have happened. This is a show for true crime buffs who are fascinated by cold cases and love to discuss them and pick them apart in an attempt to figure out the truth. So be sure to check out our podcast to learn about some truly bizarre unsolved mysteries where the trail went cold. And now, back to the murder sheet. A rather important witness also supported Rivera's story. The mother the mother backed up what the father was saying. In my opinion, it was half-hearted. And perhaps she had another reason to lie. When Helen's girlfriend entered their apartment, she told Hawaii News Now that she was struck by the strong smell of an unfamiliar cleaning solution. So the mother was a housekeeper. 
at the hotels. You know, that's a kind of, kind of a common occupation um, for Filipino immigrants. And the, this apartment, as I, as I said before, had been cleaned top to bottom. So you'd have to believe if you were, you know, going to buy the, the prosecution's case that Jun Lee showed up out of the blue for no real reason. He didn't even know, he didn't know the woman. He didn't know the tenant, you know, at all. Showed up out of the blue in the middle of the night in the pouring rain. Somehow got into her apartment, but presumably he broke in somehow. Uh, murdered her in a, in a brutal fashion because there was blood everywhere. And, and her remains showed that she was most likely bludgeoned. Uh, loaded up the body, got it out to his truck, managed to clean the apartment from top to bottom, you know, more or less spick and span. And then for some reason goes and wakes up his dad to say, I need help just to get the body from the ground into the pickup truck. The woman only weighed about a hundred pounds. And June Lee's kind of a, a big guy. He's about six, two, I think he could have, I mean, I think he could have easily done it himself. Uh, and so did all this by himself. And, you know, his parents basically covered up for him for weeks. I mean, it just didn't make the least bit of sense. It was obvious at the very least, that more than one person was involved. There seemed to be many avenues the police should have explored, things they should have tried to find out about concerning what happened between Roger Rivera and his wife and Helen Prestoza. But Innerite says that's not what they did. The police got this single-minded focus on the son. You know, he checks all the boxes. Um, and they just, you know, to the, put blinders on, you know, and, and, and didn't entertain the possibility. And, they, you know, they, they needed the dad as a witness. The case goes away if he's not credible. I can see from the detective's point of view why you wouldn't want to ask too many questions because your case goes up in smoke, you know. And then I, I mentioned earlier that that detective had retired. He, the guy retired, handed it off to a, a rookie who wasn't about to question what the veteran was doing. And it was on the news, you know, it was a kind of high pub case. They found her body dumped on the side of the road. I mean, it's the kind of person that you'd want, you'd think that it would merit, you know, some, some closer attention. And then, you know, if you ask, you know, if you, if you ask, you know, certain people would tell you that it was probably maybe because she was an immigrant, maybe because she was gay. I don't know. I don't know why it didn't rate, but it got a real... It got real short shrift from the police. There was another factor that could have influenced how this case was handled. The homicide detective who began looking into Helen Prestoza's disappearance and murder retired halfway through the investigation. The prosecutor on the case also retired right after trying Irarita. Like, I mean, when you can see the finish line, you know, you've worked at the job for 30, 35 years. You've done a bunch of these murder investigations, a bunch of murder prosecutions. You just want to get this one in the books. You have a suspect, you have his dad and his mom testifying against them. You know, I mean, it just, it, it looks like a slam dunk. And you're just like, the, you know, the detective was probably like, okay, you know, this is, he's, he cracked the case, you know, and like he, he probably pat himself on the back and moved on. Uh, and then the prosecutor, same thing, you know, this was his last prosecution. He probably thought it was going to be a lot easier than it turned out to be. And, you know, you don't necessarily bring the same level of effort that you brought in your in your younger days. And it also didn't help that June Lee wouldn't make much of an effort to help himself. Now, the son never made a statement, never admitted it, never denied it, even to this to this day. Never, never said one way or another. He just 
he just, you know, he said he, he said he didn't do it, but he wouldn't say whether he was involved or what happened or anything. He was just kind of quiet about it. So, you know, I suspected maybe he was maybe taking the, the rap for his dad. I mean, it just it started to get real, real, uh, real, you know, just strange, frankly. Let's take a quick break from the murder sheet to tell you about a podcast investigating yet another unforgettable crime. The Orange Tree is a seven-part series about a 2005 homicide that happened near the University of Texas at Austin. The murder of 21-year-old Jennifer Cave, who was shot, dismembered, and left in a bathtub at her friend Colton Petoniak's apartment, continues to haunt the area to this day. Like the Burger Chef murders, this case features plenty of twists and turns, including Colton's flight to Mexico with another UT student, Laura Hall. Both were later convicted in connection with the crime, although Colton has continued to appeal his verdict and claim innocence. The business student turned convicted murderer now says that he doesn't even remember much about the night Jennifer died. The Orange Tree is reported on and produced by Haley Butler and Tanu Thomas, who were both seniors at the University of Texas when they started this project. Together, Haley and Tanu strive to piece together this tragic story in an in-depth podcast that features audio from courtroom scenes and interrogation rooms, prison phone calls, and exclusive interviews with both the perpetrators and the victim's family. You can binge all seven episodes of The Orange Tree today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's R-O dot C-O slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, back to the murder sheet. But where was Helen Prestoza? Around two years after she vanished, her loved ones learned the truth. In April of 2016, cleanup volunteers scaled Tantalus, the Oahu mountain that looms over Honolulu. The mountain was named for the mythological Greek king, who was cursed to be forever thirsty and hungry for offending the gods. But answers that had long eluded investigators would soon become apparent to the cluster of volunteers. Picking up trash on a steep slope, they came across the skeletal remains of a woman. In March 2017, investigators announced that the remains belonged to Helen Prestoza. She had been badly beaten. Her body had fractures to the neck, chest, and face. She had been wrapped up in a sheet that also contained some items that had gone missing from her apartment. Those objects included a pillow, a pillowcase, a blanket, a television remote, a shoe, an iron, and a cell phone cover, according to Nelson Durancian's 2019 report for the Honolulu Star Advertiser. If you're interested in reading more about this case, you can access a full list of our sources in our show notes. By this point, Jun Lee had already been indicted by a grand jury. His trial began in 2019, and one of the biggest surprises of the case lay just ahead. So we go to trial, and come to find out that, you know, the prosecutors hadn't, hadn't disclosed this, that the dad was a psychotic, a, you know, mentally ill, and had, had been hospitalized as recently as the year before for having violent psychotic episodes. This, of course, was the prosecution's star witness. And once he took the stand, it only took about 10 or 15 minutes before it became clear to everyone that there was something very, very wrong with Roger Rivera. He would take, like, the okay, so we're talking very preliminary questions, like, what's your name? How old are you? You know, kind of laying, you know, just sort of introducing him to the jury. And the process of the prosecutor, you know, say your name for the jury and, There'd be like a long pause where he's just kind of staring at the jury, or staring at the defendant, or kind of staring off into space. And then he'd answer the question, you know, Roger Rivera. That went on for a little while, about 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, he started kind of twitching and kind of convulsing. And then he started like mo- like moaning very loud. It was that's at that point the judge, you know, called a recess. And the family, the wife, I think his, his, his wife and his sister were in a witness room outside the courtroom. And so they put him in this witness room. And me and the prosecutor go, the guy said, wait, what's wrong with this guy? And the prosecutor didn't know. And so we go to talk to him, like, hey, are you able to you know, continue? And that's when he like, basically went to pieces and started like, convulsing, screaming. Uh, it was a... You know, I mean, to the point where it nearly caused a mistrial because the jury could, you know, he was, everybody in the courthouse could hear it. 
you know, everybody who was at least on that floor. And so, you know, like the wife was saying, call an ambulance, call an ambulance. And so <laughs> ambulance came, you know, managed to take him out the back door. The media was all waiting for him at the front door. Yeah, that's what happened there. One of the stranger things I've ever seen in court. At that point, the prosecution became very interested in doing what they could to make this case go away. So they offered uh, Mr. Garita, the defendant, they offered him assault in the first degree, which downgraded from a murder. You know, it's basically uh, the murder was a class A felony, which carried a life sentence. The assault in the first degree is a class B felony, but it carries a maximum of 10 years. June Lee had had three or four years down already. So he, I, you know, I walked it over with him. He told me, you know, he would take it on the condition that he would plead, he could plead no contest because he wasn't going to admit any kind of guilt. So they said, okay, he could plead no contest to assault. And uh, ultimately he took that deal and, and the case resolved mid-trial and, you know, he was uh, sentenced to the 10 years and he's in prison right now. This did not please anyone. Not the public, not the victim's loved ones, not the media, not the defense, not the prosecution, not even the jury. No, nobody was satisfied. Everybody, they were all disgusted. One member of the jury told Hawaii News Now that they felt justice was not served in this case for Helen. There were so many unanswered questions, and it felt at the end of the day that no one had paid much of a price for killing Helen Prestoza. You know, I, I mean, and again, I'm the, I'm the defense attorney, but it's hard to divorce yourself from the reality of the situation, which is that an, an innocent person was murdered and whoever did it, whether it was the defendant or the dad or some other person, whoever did it essentially skated. I mean, that's not something that is lost on me. Nobody was, nobody thought justice was served in my, you know, that's, again, in my opinion, um, it was uh, not the kind of thing you would, you, would, you would wish on anybody. Helen and those who loved her deserved better. For whatever reason, this just doesn't seem to rate on anybody's, you know, like, I mean, maybe it was just the, the perfect storm of, of old timers retiring, um, just sort of stuff falling through the cracks. I mean, it just, that might, that, that might be it. It just kind of all lined up in, in, a, in, in such a way that, you know, very serious mistakes were made over and over. Um, and hopefully that's, that's the exception to the rule. Helen Pristoza was a cancer survivor, a provider for her family, a force of nature. And the pain caused by her disappearance has continued to trickle through the years. Speaking to KHON2 News in 2017, Helen's mother said that she keeps a shrine of fresh flowers in her daughter's old room. She cries whenever she waters them. But Helen was also a gay Filipino immigrant working in fast food. Did her identity prompt authorities to get sloppy and bring a shaky case to trial? On-the-stand breakdowns during witness testimony are the stuff of movies and TV shows, but they're a rarity in real life. And Rivera's actions in court leave us asking the question, with all the circumstantial evidence pointing away from Irarita, is the right man in prison today? 
Was the accused murderer's reluctance to participate in his own defense a sign of a guilty conscience? Or was Irarita, in his own way, atoning for the years of distress he brought his family? Murder trials are often thought of as a chance to bring clarity to both the public and the loved ones of a victim. But the stream of questions unleashed by Irarita's day in court has left the death of Helen Prestoza as cloudy as the gloom of a hard Honolulu rain. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. To keep up with the latest on The Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet, and on Facebook at MSheet Podcast or by searching Murder Sheet. For exclusive content like bonus episodes and case files, become a patron of The Murder Sheet on Patreon at patreon.com slash murdersheet. If you enjoyed listening to The Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure. And send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.